1: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Investor Intelligence, brought to you by the team at The Property Mentors. It's your weekly podcast for all things investment and hosted by me, Phoebe Sikowski wallace So, today's episode is, of course, a part of our full on Feb series where, for the month of February, we'll be releasing double the amount of episodes so that you'll have double the amount of content. And back with me again for this episode is our in house investment expert, Luke Harris. Hello again, Luke. Hello, Phoebe. How are you? Very well, thank you. So, Luke, as I said in our last episode together, we've had quite a few people submit uh, either questions, you know, especially over the holidays for our FAQ episodes, but also topics that they'd like to see covered or they'd like us to go into a little bit more depth with, uh, which is amazing. We completely welcome that, keep them coming. And if you have a question for Luke, you want answered on an upcoming FAQ episode, you can submit that at investorintelligence.com.au. But sometimes we get a submission or multiple submissions on a topic that lends itself a little bit more to a full episode that we can ask you know multiple questions with. So That's what we've got today. We've got a submission from Elaine wanting to know a little bit more about the buy and hold strategy. So Luke, you've mentioned this on the podcast a couple of times and we've talked about property investing being more of a slow and steady wins the race strategy. Uh, And here at the Property Mentors, you often discuss with members what is called this buy and hold strategy, correct?
2: That's right. Yeah.
1: So what is a buy and hold strategy?
2: Well, look, uh, there's a couple of ways to look at this and I'll I'll do a a cheeky version first. A buy and hold (laughs) strategy is if you like look at it like... A relationship, right? You see someone you like, you're gonna buy buy them, or maybe not buy them. Maybe <laughs> you want to maybe wanna enter the relationship and then hold on to that person. So it's for the long term, right? Then that's generally one way of looking at it. Probably not the best example. <laughs> buy and hold strategy is when you buy the property and you hold on to it for the long term. And the 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 word hold in that really means hold on to that property. It doesn't mean hold on to it for a year or two years or three years. Hold on to it forever Mm. is essentially what that buy and hold strategy means. I think a lot of investors sort of like to play the market to a certain extent and want to buy and sell and trade property. And I think in my own experience of what I've done with investing, the ones that trade property, buy and sell, buy and sell, they're the biggest losers, in mm. property investment and I've done this myself through my 20s. I made a huge amount of mistakes in, in buying and selling and one property went up by $300,000. And I wanted to do something else, and I realised, hey, I can get three hundred thousand more for that property. I bought it for two fifty five. This is back in the day; <laughs> those those figures are gone now. Uh, and then sold it for, I think, five fifty five. It was the same uh, amount plus three hundred thousand. And I realised that I could get three hundred thousand. The property's worth well over a million dollars now, mm. so that three hundred would have been eight hundred had I held on to it. But of course, I thought. I could turn that $300,000 into something else. So one of the things that investors do is they get impatient and they buy and sell properties. And of course, every time you're paying stamp duty and you're paying your legal costs and you're paying your, you know, your selling costs to sell it at the other end, and that just eats away at your profit at both ends. It's like burning the candle at both ends. So buy and hold strategy is as simple as it sounds, buy the property or buy the investment, hold on to it, Forever.
1: Okay. So yeah, sounds pretty self-explanatory. What, Just quickly, what's the opposite of this strategy? What would that be called?
2: The opposite of the strategy? Well, essentially, you know, trying to time the market. You know, a lot of people trying to uh, pick the market. When's the best time to buy? When's the best time to sell? Yeah, A lot of people sit on the sidelines and I've, I've, I hear people all the time saying, I'm just going to wait for interest rates to drop or I'm going to wait for the Melbourne or Sydney or Perth or Brisbane market to drop,
0: mm. um,
2: and and the reality is is that you know trying to pick the market really is a fool's game. Okay, it's not something that most people are able to do properly. And even if you can do it properly one time, can you replicate that for the rest of your investing career? The short answer to that is no. Most people cannot do that, uh, and anyone that does suggest that they can are probably kidding themselves Okay, um, because there are so many factors to consider and most of those factors when you're trying to pick the market don't even consider your own personal situation. And so when you're not factoring in your investing to your own personal situation, you're missing the biggest component with investing and it's picking how each property and how every property in your portfolio is going to help you build long-term wealth and buying and selling when you're – you know, trying to pick the market and buy low and sell high. Uh, it it really is for in impatient investors.
1: Okay. So why would someone choose that strategy instead of buy and hold? Because I was going to ask, is it a matter of impatience a lot of the time?
2: Very much so. Okay. And, and look, and I say that because I've done it myself. That mm. was my strategy for a period of time because I thought I could uh, buy and sell and trade my way to wealth. And the reality is, is that uh, – Buy and hold is a simple strategy and it works. Yeah. And there's decades of data to show that if you buy and hold a property and just hang on to it and stick around for the long term, look after it, look after your tenants, look after the property, maintain it, do the right thing by everybody involved, and um, the, the properties will, property markets will work for you. Um, where people are trying to speed up uh, something as important as long-term wealth creation, they're missing the long-term component of that and for people that, uh, I guess, are trying to choose that strategy, uh, probably need to look at the reasons why they're investing in the first place and you know, understand, and I guess, have a bit of a reality check that uh, long-term wealth creation uh, highlights the term long-term mm. uh, in that you know, flipping properties or really going out there and trying to buy and sell depending on market conditions is not something that's usually replicatable so you might do it one time. Don't get me wrong, I've sold properties that have been at the top of the market and I know that some of those markets have not recovered in the five or six years since I sold them. Um, At the same time, the properties that I've held for a a long-term hold uh, as far as a buy and hold strategy, they are the ones that have actually performed the best Mm. because those are workhorse properties that have sat in the portfolio for a long time now and they sit there and do what they need to do. They bring in rent, um they provide tax benefits and the capital growth is insane because it allows me to leverage into other properties
1: yeah so the time the market or timing the market strategy or the you know buy low sell high is that sometimes attractive to people because it can bring higher reward, but with that, it comes at the cost of a higher risk.
2: Well, that, that's true. I mean, there's the odd saying is that, you know, what's timing the market or timing in the market, mm. time in the market is more important. So this is where buy and hold becomes really important is that time in the market is more important than, than timing the market. Okay. So, you know, if, if that's your strategy, you've got to understand that once you've sold that asset, you can't make money off it ever again. So understanding why somebody would sell uh, an investment property uh, always needs to be linked back to the long-term goals and how that actually fits in with the long-term goals. And like I said, if you've sold that property, you can't make money off it again. And most likely, you need to replace it with another property. Mm. So that's going to cost stamp duty again, and you're going to have to pay your selling costs to get out of the old one. And there's tens of thousands of dollars involved in doing this. And with property prices these days, um, state governments haven't adjusted Their stamp duty rates. Uh, So, the same stamp duty percentages we were paying many years ago, we're still paying now, but property prices have gone up 30, 40, 50% or more. So, you know, the state governments are loving it at the moment. They're getting Mm. a lot of revenue from from stamp duty. So, every time you buy and sell a property, they love you. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, and the banks are resetting your mortgage every time back to day one. You might be five or six years into paying down a 30 year loan. You go and take out a new loan. Most people will not take out a 24 year loan to cover off the six years they've already been paying. So they'll reset the clock, goes back to a 30-year loan, and they're paying all of that upfront interest again. Mm. Whilst it is tax deductible, a lot of people don't factor those things in. And so, like I said, it eats away at your profit, and if you get the timing wrong, it can cost you a lot of money.
1: Yeah, okay. So do different investments favor one type or strategy or another, like say, if we're talking stocks and the property uh, or artwork? So.
2: Well, look, I, I can't really comment for anything other than property because sure. I, I would would have to say that I'm not the expert in those things. Um, artwork, uh, look, I think there are plenty of crazy people out there that will pay millions of dollars for paintings and various other <laughs> things, and and that's great. and, and good on them for doing that, and if they feel that's a good investment, then then so be it. Uh, if I've got millions of dollars on buying property, I am not buying artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and the stock market again, a whole different uh, situation altogether, but any investment really uh, with a buy and hold approach is going to give you benefits for the long term. Uh, even a bad investment that was a bad investment 30 years ago will turn good over the longer term. Mm-hmm. Because if you could go back in time and Phoebe, if you could tell me what's the worst investment in Australia back in what is it, nineteen ninety three? <laughs> right. And we could pick that property out right now and say one, two, three, Smith Street in in Somewhereville
0: mm. was the worst
2: <laughs> investment in nineteen ninety three. It was a little townhouse somewhere, it was falling apart, a horrible investment. But 30 years on, that property is worth a lot more money now, mm. right? So, again, buy and hold is the only way for that investment to turn good. Yeah. And the thing is the markets have changed during that 30-year period. We've had good markets and bad markets and mixed markets, high interest rates, low interest rates. Finding the best time in that 30 years to sell that property probably is still no better than what that property would be worth today.
1: Right. You'd be waiting around a fair bit. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, lastly – if we are talking about property and, you know, are there things that people should consider if they were to try and time the market by buying and selling property regularly?
2: The first thing I would consider is how that actually fits into your plan. Yeah. So rather than um, rather than answer that, teaching you how to do it, I would be suggesting that before you even decide to do that, make sure you know what the plan is, what are your end goals, how is this particular strategy trying to time the market going to give you those outcomes. And also noting that when you sell the property, you've got to pay tax on any profit you make.
0: Mm.
2: Um, And so not only do you no longer have an asset that's gonna help you build long-term wealth, you're paying tax on the profit that you make and then you've got some cash, what are you gonna do with that? Mm. Um, And maybe the plan is to go and do that whole process again and maybe you're gonna time the market again. But the, the reality is is that Buying and selling property like that does not build a portfolio.
1: Yeah, bottom line. Yeah. Long-term
2: wealth comes from holding assets for the long term.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: If part of your strategy is to sell down your assets, then every time you buy and sell assets, it's costing you money, which if anyone you know, understands basic maths, if you if it's costing you money, it's taking away from your profits. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're holding onto that property, you're only paying that stamp duty one time, Uh, And if you never sell it, well, you've got no selling costs involved in that property ever. Uh, And it can be used to access equity over and over to go and build the rest of your portfolio. So if people, uh, I guess, were looking at doing that, trying to time the market uh, by buying and selling property regularly, my only advice around that would be to discuss it with your accountant, discuss it with your mortgage broker, and put a really solid business plan together. When I say really solid business plan, I mean this needs to be 20 or 30 pages long. (laughs) With all of your cash flow projections, all of your forecasts, all of your research and due diligence on what types of properties you'll be securing. Um, factor in all of your renovation and holding costs, factor in your own time. And you know, assuming that's the part of the strategy is to renovate, uh, which a lot of people doing this, uh, if you're trying to time the market, they get in and try and do a renovation like we covered in our last episode. But timing the market is difficult because markets can change overnight. Yeah. So you might yeah. buy a property expecting to sell that property 3, 6, 12 months later, the market changes and then you're stuck with a property that you thought you could sell for a higher price and often people get caught out where they can't even sell it for the same price they paid for it um, because a lot of people try this particular strategy in a rising market. Mm. Uh, a lot of people you know, tried to do this in, in the Sydney market in the last few years when Sydney was doing really well and you know got really caught out with the holding costs when the property took a lot longer to sell than they, thought, um, than they thought it would take. And you know, holding costs are a big thing when you're uh, trying this particular strategy because if you're trying to time the market, well, are you selling that property with a tenant in it? Are you selling it vacant? Because if you're selling it with a tenant in it, you can only sell it to an investor. Tenants are getting more protections and more rights now and having uh, the ability to have longer leases. Uh, and it means that if you, your plan is to sell that property or to flip that property or sell it at the right time in the market, well you need to consider the fact that you've got a tenant in there and Mm. you you may not be able to do it when you want to do it. Uh, And also if you're selling it with a tenant in there, it does restrict who you can sell it to. If you've got an owner occupier that wants to go into that property, well if there's a lease in place, it's um, most often that the tenant has the right to stay in that property until the end of the lease and uh, that property needs to be sold with the lease in place. So all of these things need to be factored in. Of course if that tenant, isn't in there, you're not getting that holding income, which means if the tenant's not paying for that property, you are. Uh, And a lot of people, you know, gloss over these figures and I guess these these, what some might consider as small details when in reality these are big details Mm. that need to be factored in. So understanding the costs and the true costs and not kid yourself with the costs, if the property is vacant, if it's got a tenant into it, uh, in it, and of course other things in, including your selling costs. So make sure you discuss this with your accountant a- and understand how this works for you for the long term. And if this is a strategy that you take on, as you can probably tell, I'm not recommending it at all, um, <laughs> but if this is a strategy that you take on, understand the risks behind it, but also ask yourself where is your asset base coming from to build long term wealth mm. because building wealth through a buy and hold strategy is for long term wealth creation and uh, you know timing the market and moving through properties and buying and selling is for cash flow mm. it's not for long term wealth creation it's purely for cash flow purposes
1: yeah, I don't think that like the question was more sort of you know what to consider, which you've you've covered nicely. It's not necessarily again we're, this is not a strategy we're necessarily putting forward, but just the things that they should consider if they were to do it, which I think you've done really well. So thank you for breaking that down, and thank you Elaine for submitting that question. I really hope that helped. Luke, anything you want to add on this topic, or just anything?
2: I think you know, the the thing to to look at with all investing, regardless of what you're investing in. Is that slow and steady does win the race? Yeah, yeah. And you know that's definitely one of my favourite catchphrases. And in that, um, you know, slow and steady wins every time. And a lot of people are out there looking for a quick buck. They're looking to uh, take the easiest approach, mm-hmm. and they're looking for essentially a silver bullet that's going to help them build well fast uh, with little risk with as little um, cash of their own in, in the in the deal as possible. <laughs> and the reality is it's a unicorn investment. It doesn't exist. Um, so going back to basics with property investing, if we look at the last couple of decades, there's been a lot of noise out there in the property markets about various schemes that are out there and various things that people can invest in. And a lot of companies have opened in the last couple of decades that we've seen and um, offering huge returns and huge uh, investment returns. and. Every every year, these companies are opening up and then disappearing again because the, the claims that they were making just simply weren't true. They were, you know, vaporware kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And people, every time this happens, people get suckered in, they put their money in, and then they wonder why the company goes belly up and they lose their money. And you know, I think we've seen that so many times over the years, and this is why we put so much emphasis here at the Property Mentors on education is that if you understand the long-term benefits of wealth creation it can work if you are out there trying to make a quick buck you're essentially gambling and there's a big difference between being a successful long-term investor and a gambler
0: mm-hmm.
2: if you want to take your chances with gambling you might as well cut the cut the cord go down quickly uh, to the casino, put it all on red and black, make your decision and get it over and done with rather than going out there into the property markets and uh, doing it a slow and painful way, finding out that you're going to lose your money. Um, but following the, the highest return uh, or following um, you know, promises that sound too good to be true, if mm-hmm. they, you know, everybody knows the saying, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And especially in any investment market, not just property, but any investment market that's showing you a fast way to riches, it's going to show you how to build wealth fast, ten properties in ten years, or any of that sort of uh, you know catchphrase stuff. It sounds good in any marketing material. The amount of times I've been on on Facebook and or, or YouTube, and I've seen these these people out there saying you'll get ten properties in ten years. The reality is that ninety nine percent of their clients have not achieved that result. Yeah, It's not an easy thing to achieve. And at the same time, it's not something that most investors even need to achieve. So I think slow and steady wins the race every time. Make sure if you wanna become a successful investor, you listen to people that are teaching you to invest slowly and carefully, have a conservative approach to your investing, and make sure that you structure a really good team around you so that when you are out there in the marketplace, you know what you're looking for. And of course, when you do secure an asset, you understand how that property fits into your goals and how it's going to help you achieve long-term wealth rather than going out there trying to make a quick buck flipping properties or or um, you know, making huge transactions uh, with trading property. Hmm. And um, if you focus on the long-term goals, slow and steady wins the race every time.
1: Great. Thank you for your time today, Luke.
2: Thanks, Phoebe. Have a good week.
0: If you found this episode or any of our episodes helpful, please make sure to share and leave a rating to help us reach more people on their investing journeys. And of course, subscribe to be notified when new episodes drop. Make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Investor Intelligence Podcast. You can find links to our other socials in the show notes, including a link to the Property Mentors weekly blog. If you're ready to get your property portfolio in shape for financial freedom, check out Luke's latest book, Property Fit. You can get yourself a copy at www.propertyfitbook.com.au.